time. <laughs> like music to my ears. It's literally music to your ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There's no like about it, right? Uh, <laughs> it's literally music to my it's ears. music adjacent. That's right. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here on my right, we've got the one and only author of almost 30 books in pro audio, <laughs> Bobby Osinski. Hey, Mike. Hey, everybody. Next to him, we've got somebody who needs to find a personality because <laughs> he's a little bland. Just kidding. The one and only very talented Mr. Nick Peck. Hey, hey Mike. It's been five months, so uh, can, I, can I do it? Can yeah, I? just don't know. Uh, okay. All right. I'll just back up a little bit. Hello, Mike! <laughs> Hello, guys! It's so good to see you all. Uh, Nick, we missed that. <laughs> uh, I've missed doing it. It's very cathartic. And finally, we have over here on my left, the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Now cast, a man who can walk in a room and not worry who the smartest guy is, because it's <laughs> usually him. The one and only Rob Arbiter. I don't know about that, but hello, everyone. <laughs> and what show is this? This is show for the Iron Man? 191. Wow. Show 191. And today we are honored to have with us a, uh, well, he started off as a listener, um, the one and only Mr. Jordan Reynolds. Hey. Thanks for having me. Hey, that's <laughs> an honor. Jordan does voiceover, does audio production, and actually, you want to tell him how how we met? <laughs> sure. So I went to my first NAM this year, which which I was I, I heard all the scary stories of like you can't have conversations because of musicians and everything. But I guess they separated the pro audio right from it, all the mu- musicians this year, so you can actually hear somewhat. And I'm walking down one of the random aisles of the huge NAM, and I hear this voice on the right side of my ear, my good ear. And I'm like, I, I know that voice, you know, because I'm voice talent. I'm always analyzing hearing voices. That's an undeniable voice. Where have I heard that voice? And it was Mike Rodriguez <laughs> talking. So, so I look and I, 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 zone, I laser in on the voice and I, and I haven't seen his face in a while. You know, it's a podcast, right? And so, but I remember, I remember what he looked like. And then I see his name tag and he's talking to someone. And I'm like, that's Mike Rodriguez. <laughs> so, so, I, so I like, I was like the creepy guy. He kind of got up behind the next person who like has to meet Mike Rodriguez. And I'm like, Mike, you don't know me, but I know you. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so, and we just hit it off from there. So. No, it was it was pretty cool. Jordan was really great. I found out what he did, and we just started talking. And I was like, okay, this is one of our seven listeners. I gotta be nice to him. <laughs> so, Jordan, what do you do? You're a voiceover talent, but you have a bad ear. Is yeah. this the- <laughs> that there's a whole story there? No, I actually do. I have some hearing loss in my left ear, so that's I gotta compensate for that. But but I'm a voice talent for a living. But I do audio production. I produce demo reels for uh, voice actors. You know, like on cameras, have their little snippets. Voice talent have the same thing. So that's that's a whole another element that got me into the whole audio side of things. But I'm just a nerd. You know, my background's in computers and IT, so the whole the gear part of it and the studio part of it, I jumped headfirst into that. The acting part, that was a lot harder. So, but that's that's what I do. Cool. You, Mike, he's a computer nerd. Yeah. We, we can't have him here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, he, he was one of us. And uh, we're actually going to be working on some. Um, we're going to be doing a couple specials. One of them is going to be a voiceover special that I've, I've always wanted to do, and cool. Jordan's going to be helping me with that with some of the talent and other things. So we should bring in Randy Coppinger from Disney. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, yeah, we'll bring in a bunch of things. But hey, listen, 
man, it's been a while. Five months. We went five months without a podcast. Wow. It was like I, I was going through the withdrawals. I was just like, you know, I'd be with my kids and going, hey, let me tell you what's happening with audio. And <laughs> not really. They wouldn't care. But there's been a lot of really cool things um, that have happened. Um, but it's really funny, though. We were supposed to podcast last night, but because of a police incident surrounding the studio, we couldn't podcast last night. So we had to push it a night. And for a second there, I just thought, like, God himself just was against the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's really hard. It was really hard. So to give you guys an update on the podcast, um, we used to have our studio over uh, with Sound Brigade. Um, it was a really nice place, and it kind of set a template of how we wanted to do things with the microphones and the table and the whole thing. Well, we lost that place, and that was kind of uh, – it, it was a little depressing, I'll be honest, and we started looking, and uh, – and uh, during this whole time, we've been trying to figure out you know, where to put it. And we've, we found a new place, and it's really great, and it's a little bit bigger, and we get to have our table. And as long as the table exists, the podcast will exist. <laughs> so, uh, But yeah, so we, uh, we took a, a little break. But you know, I will say that it was good to take a break because two things. Number one, it gives you a new perspective on things. Uh, it gives me a new perspe- perspective on the, on the podcast. But also, a lot of things have happened. We have a lot to talk about. Um, this show is going to be kind of a potpourri of a lot of different topics that I want to open up to you guys. But um, you know, I did some traveling. I went to Amsterdam, um, shot an episode of Spaces. I'll tell you what's happening with Spaces because that's still kind of fun. And just a lot of really cool, positive things. The podcast is going to come back. We've got a great great spring summer lined up some of the the stuff that you're going to see us doing we haven't done before and we have some really great guests and um you know what you guys don't even know about this yet (laughs) so wait till i tell you teaser (laughs) but anyway um it's it's great to be back and uh i just want to open up really quick did has anybody done anything that they during these past five months that they wanted to talk about we're gonna we're gonna talk about nam just so you know because that was kind of fun and i know it's like way late but there's still some stuff i want to talk about nam but i just wanted to see you know what you guys bobby did you do anything during the last five months that uh i went to australia you went to Australia. And I saw Bobby Summerfield. Nice. Wow. I went there and I hung out with him. He was great. We hung out the whole, for a day and a night. Uh, took me to his penthouse. <laughs> he took me to um, uh, uh, Mike Shipley's studio, the, wow. which was wonderful because it's they live in Manly Beach. Manly Beach is um, – Kind of like any beach town in, that you've ever seen in the United States, only it's in Australia. So the beach town. And um, Mike Shipley has a studio above his wife's dress shop, but it's overlooking the beach. Wow. And uh, he was mixing Midnight Oil when I was there, and it was kind of – it was fun. So it was a great day to, to be with, um, with Bobby. We just had the, the best time. Wow. There. How about you, Nick? Were you doing anything fun during the uh, – or anything you want to talk about during the break? Uh, yeah, no. yeah. I thought we were going to do this at the end. Well, but... not not the uh, what are you working on now, but just oh. during the past five months if you uh... – Yeah. No, I, I did a big thing. Um, I got so excited um, about the podcast and Bobby's podcast and all of that, and I was getting lonely. So I started a YouTube channel. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did, Under the Big Tree. And this will really come as a shock to you, all right? It's about music and modular synthesizers and tabletop board games. Yeah, I know. I just like completely out of character for me, but I just thought <laughs> so. that's just like a 
like a nerd giant warm hug. That is exactly <laughs> it. That's, uh, maybe I'll do an episode on assembly language just to really sort of bring it home. But it's been it's been super fun and it's been very interesting. I started it out. I decided that I didn't want to go up until I had ten videos done, and so I took that opportunity to really learn, you know, the camera and the lighting and you know all the ten different little things that I needed to buy that I didn't know that I needed. Right. And then finally. Um, when NAM happened, I went and recorded uh, interviews with a bunch of modular synth manufacturers there, and then both of us did uh, performances at the AES thanks to thanks yeah, to Bobby. We'll, we'll talk about that. Recorded that, and uh, then I put them up, and all of a sudden, people started watching it. So it was pretty. This this social media stuff. It's kind of crazy. That that's great. How about you, Rob? Last five months. Last five months for me, it's been. More on the tech side than the music side, but I have continued to do – I think I talked about some piano performance stuff yes. that I was doing on the East Coast. And we've basically – we've been working on that on and off this whole time, and I've got the arrangements basically done, and I'm going to be going back East to record probably – definitely within the month. I just don't know exactly when, but finally going to record a bunch of these piano performance arrangements that I've been working on for a long time with a composer on the East Coast. And it's been really fun to get to play – beautiful incredible pianos which they have back there where i'm working and it's uh it's been fun just to get back to straight piano that's that's awesome and i, I can't wait to hear some of this stuff that you're talking yeah i about. can't wait for you to hear it hey um so a lot of stuff has happened and we won't go over everything but one thing i do want to talk about which you which you kind of touched on was was nam um uh nam was a whole different beast this year than any other year they have a whole new building but the fun thing about it is there was like Five of us that have been on the podcast that were speaking at the at AES at NAM, which was kind of fun, um, and uh, and because Bobby Osinski was, uh, you coordinated a lot of the speakers and did a really great job. I was the program director for the studio portion of the um, the AES conference, which is called AES at NAM. It was the first time they've ever done it. So it was kind of experimental, but uh, I think it worked out well, and you guys are great. So uh, you, it was it was it was fun. I had a great time. I Me know too. Um, I spoke. I know Nick spoke. I know um, Scott spoke, and and Dennis, Andrew spoke, and Dennis spoke, and Dennis Moody. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people that are associated with the podcast spoke, and it was really everybody did a really great job, and um, and uh, I saw the. I saw about uh, the last half of yours, uh, Nick, and you did a really great job. You did, it was really interesting. It was really I, was, fun. I was focused on trying to uh, talk to people about uh, you know, the stuff that they need to know in order to be able to get jobs, particularly the differences between interactive and non-interactive audio yeah. and different tools that are used for those things. And I got to see your whole thing, and it was wonderful. Oh, thank you. You're very kind. Absolutely. I mean, I basically spoke – on how to work the room, you know, because it's like I figured there's a lot of people there that were talking about gear and a lot of people talking about techniques. And I just wanted to tell people how to work the room, man, how to use your personality and how to how to get the get the job done with with your with who you are. I mean, because really, that's the only thing that separates you from anybody else is who you are, is your personality. And that weighs a ton on people wanting to work with you. So, um, yeah, but it was really fun. Thank you, Bobby. That was really great. I did one on social media, yeah, social media promotion, yeah, oh. and, which was actually pretty interesting because uh, I turned it into a game show. How did you do that? <laughs> uh, it was all Q and A, and it was it was like uh, I want to say let's make a deal, but that's not it. Um, anyway, a, a famous game show that everybody watches, and I 
kind of made it like that. So it was fun as well as educational, hopefully. The only thing that – one thing I will say about the NAMM show is I had the worst slot of all. <laughs> My second time. Yeah, I had a really good one. I was speaking on Thursday. But that – no, Friday or is it Thursday? Thursday. I don't know. I had an early slot. But then I, I was the last speaker. I was the last Dad hour. And clean up. <laughs> and I was surprised people were still there because I wouldn't have been. I would have been down in Hall E buying you know Chinese microphones because uh, that's what I normally do. For those of you who don't know, Sunday at NAM is the worst day in terms of attendance. Everybody goes home if they can. So I did my best not to have anything happen on Sunday, but I was overruled on that. <laughs> you know what? That's okay because I, I had a, a pretty decent little crowd, and oh, it, was just, it was kind of fun, and, and Nick showed up. So that was I was there doing – oh, I remember now. I was sick as a dog, and I parked in the Disney parking lot and like walked in the hot sun with all of my gear oh, man. for like 20 minutes yeah. to find the place while thinking, I wish I was dead. 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 <laughs> I will say this, though. For the first time that I can remember, I didn't have dinner with Rob because you were there. Rob right? was 3,000 miles yes, away. You couldn't make it. I got stuck on the East Coast and I was stuck working on the piano stuff and – there were things I needed to do there before NAM and right after NAM, and I just thought, "Am I really going to fly back, you know, for two, three, four days, <coughs> and then fly all the way across the country again?" And then I also found out that Stevie was not going to be there this year because he also had other commitments. So, for the first time in what is it, thirty-one, thirty-two years, uh, we weren't there. I mean, I've walked him around that show. Since 1986, but, I think. But the interesting thing is for the first time in 31, 32 years, it actually was different. And yeah, it was way exactly. different. <laughs> and, exactly. And, 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 you know, I didn't get a chance to go around because I was stuck in, in the AES room for the whole period except for 15 minutes. Mm. So I, I got that 15 minutes out to go look in, in the new hall for a little bit. But I have to say that the what I heard from talking to attendees and to exhibitors – Everybody loved it, and there was a vibe about this show that just seemed different. Mm-hmm. It, you know what? Yeah. It was. It was. There was an optimism about yeah. it, and yeah. I think. And I do the new, the way everything was separating the pro audio. At first, everybody was a little, you know, concerned. And there were. It was so funny because where the pro audio, pro audio used to be, um, there were still some holdouts that yeah. weren't that weren't going to move, and I think they missed the party because it was actually where all the pro audio was, both floors in the new building, just had a really great vibe about it, yeah. and and you felt it felt like a, you know what it felt like? It felt like AES used to feel like. Yeah, it did. That's mm. the thing. AES is you know it's kind of dead and dying at their show, but yeah. the NAM with the pro audio separated had a really positive like. Pro feel. I don't know. It just felt to me. It reminded me of an AES show um, when AES was really rolling. There were even big consoles there. Yeah, yeah, so, and it was great. So I will. Uh, well, as Stephen Ibo said, we'll just miss it one year and we'll be back next <laughs> yeah. year. So it's just a temporary, uh, temporary uh, well, good. miss. But I was glad I made that decision because it would have been too hard flying back and forth. Yeah, no, it would have been bad. And when I go to Nam, I mean, it's not about you know. 
earth-shattering new gear for as much as it is about the networking and, and seeing right. people you know yeah. and some people you only ever see at those shows. So I miss that aspect of it. But I figure any new gear that's exciting, we're all going to find out about anyway. I don't think there's anything earth-shattering, nah. period. I mean, you know, more of, more of the same. Yep. The most fantastic thing that I saw at NAMM, the most phenomenal thing that I saw at NAMM, I can't even talk about because it, it was a private showing. I mean, I'll tell you guys. Oh, later. too bad. Yeah, no, but I, but but there was something, and don't worry, it's it will it will manifest itself on the podcast. But yeah, so there were some cool stuff. Well, in my fifteen minutes walking around, uh, the thing that that really jumped out at me was the Sound Techniques console, and I knew it was going to be there. Uh, if you don't know, Sound Techniques was a big English console maker in the early seventies, mm. and their consoles were in all the biggest studios including Trident. So all those big records that came out of Trident, the David Bowies and the Supertramps and everybody, were done on Sound Techniques. And they've been gone for 30 years, is it 40 years? And someone re- resurrected them. Hmm. And they had a big one there. Yeah, that was giant. It was giant. That it, was like an RV. That wasn't a console. It wasn't working, but <laughs> it, or there's four channels of it that, that was working. But that's a, so. Yeah, that's, you know... God bless them, man. That's a yeah. you know to that's a haul. That's something. That's a big mountain to climb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jordan, since this is your first uh, Nam show, what did you see? Anything that you that you liked? Anything? Yeah. Uh... Well, once I uh, I decided not to die in the Disney sun, as, <laughs> as they call it, yeah. as you called it, with all with gear. But I got there so late on Saturday; it was the only day I could get there because it's hard. To, it's hard to get away from the home studio uh, in the booth as a voice talent without. Everything's always urgent. Right. So I'm like, I can only go on a Saturday, pay $60 parking, only walked about five minutes and I got in and I had three hours and I had my list. So I just hit up people that I hadn't seen in years or who I wanted to, to, to see. So including manufacturers like Sennheiser and um, Studio Bricks. I don't know. Did you see Studio Bricks by chance? Which was Studio Bricks? They, they were in the these, bar. What's yeah. that? You saw Studio it? Bricks is awesome. I didn't yeah. know that they were at NAM. I've been talking to them uh, quite a bit. I'm very impressed with their products. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk because I just got a new Studio Bricks. Oh, I have to come over and see it. Oh, it's so it's, it's like taxi cab yellow, but we, we yeah. got like the triple wall and everything. Yeah. So wait, 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 wait. wait. What, what okay. is so Studio so sorry? It's Studio acoustic Bricks. booths, right? Yeah, it's a sound booth, so oh. like a whisper room. But the difference is, is it's pretty much toolless, and it's like a big Lego brick set. So it's it's kind of big chunks of it build up. What's it made out of? Um, ever everything. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's like, um, but it's I think it's primarily like MDF and drywall and green glue. But it's all melted together in one chunk, hmm. and you just kind of slide them into each other, and they lock. Really? They're, and they're really there's so much sexier looking than the other booths. I just went to their so. to their website. Yeah, they are definitely yeah. sexy looking. They're so. really cool. Well, let me just tell you, I got I've got a, a big announcement having to do with with Nam because um, they were at Nam, but also having to do with the podcast. But we've picked up um, we've picked up a sponsor, another sponsor, and uh, we are going to welcome um, Wireworld Pro Audio ah, as excellent. one of our sponsors. Very nice, uh, Larry Smith. And uh, let me tell you, 
they make some amazing cables and I've used their cables and their guitar cables and their mic cables. Um, they're not inexpensive, but they're really, really good. And you want to take care of these cables. It's not something you just want to throw around, but you know, you spend 10 grand on a mic, you know, spending a couple hundred dollars on an amazing mic cable is just, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So, uh, we just got to want to welcome them to the uh, family and we're going to be recording their tags and everything. It'll oh, be really great. cool. Welcome. So, Wireworld. Wireworld pro audio. And we'll, uh, we'll, talk more about them and we'll talk more about their cables but uh yeah um and they were over at the nam show also so uh our little podcast we're uh, we're kind of growing a little bit um i do want to um mention one thing about nam that i found uh was a little annoying was trying to get into the place <laughs> gotta work that out man with yeah, that's all this, what i heard that was the only all, negative i heard with was all the, the security, security it's like yeah you know it was it was really a challenge <laughs> to get in sometimes until they allowed the exhibitors um, to go – the red badges to basically go through without having to go through yeah, I think they stuff. got LL to do the security this year from what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> it was – at one time, the security line was all the way out – off the door but down the alleyway out onto the street yeah. to get in. Wow. And, and it was like – and I wish like – all those people had to do is there was two doors and they all crammed into one door and the other door was practically empty. So all they had to do was just walk around and go to the other door. But, you know, you live and learn. But uh, that was that was kind of uh, kind of interesting. Um, so that was NAM. Uh, it was a little late for a NAM show, but that was NAM, and uh, it was really fun. And and uh, I think it's gonna it gave a boost to. Um, to the industry, it really did. There was a there was an optimism that I think people left with. Which actually, one of the things I wanted to segue into is I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the health of the industry, of the music industry, um, and I wanted to talk to you, Bobby, about uh, recorded music and music sales. Um, how's the industry in general doing? Are people selling music? Is it coming up? When we last left, it was it was. Are, are you talking about the MI business? Or are you talking about the the recorded music and I'm just talking about the recorded music business right I, now. I think a report came out today that said it was extremely healthy. It was you know better than it has been in a long time, um, and it's all due to streaming. Finally, streaming has caught on, and people are used to paying ten bucks a month. They're okay with it, and. Uh, that's now. Is it trickling down to the artists? That's the thing. And the songwriters? No, it's not. Maybe more than it did, but you know, it's a one percent business. If you're in the one percent, you're doing just dandy. You know, right. If you're not, then you're not doing as well. well I will tell you um, what. It was really healthy. What I do see a lot of is the live music and the concert part of of music and music oh yeah I, um during the break you know i, I had the opportunity I went to actually a ton of concerts i went to see um everything from lcd sound system to um i saw wolf alice just this past monday over at the at the mayan and all the shows were packed i mean you know even some of the smaller ones i went and saw lord here on over at a smaller venue in, in los angeles and that was that was crowded and you see the thing that really kind of warmed my soul is all these shows you see big lines at the swag you know at Great. you know buying swag and that's where these guys make their money a lot of times obviously the you know a certain percentage goes to their performance but it's amazing how crowded these shows were you know how many people showed up to these shows well they don't make as much on swag as you might think because it's a third party that's putting it together so it's, it's usually about 25 percent of what you see the uh, 
the retail price. So I mean, if you see a forty dollars shirt, you think, "Wow, the band's getting forty bucks," you know, and minus whatever it costs for the shirt. But that's not the case because they usually there's a, a third party licensing company that does most of the swag for most artists. Or there are many actually, so it's not something that you know the artists do themselves. What and, about like the scrappy DIY? You know, artists on the way up, do they make their own discs and their own shirts and all that stuff and sell it at their little table there? Uh, they usually do, but again, if you get big enough, usually you, you prefer to sub that out. Yeah. Because they'll even, they'll provide everything, the merch booth, the person to sell the merch, the yeah. whole thing. And that's a, a perennial problem for, yeah. for bands, you know. How do I find somebody just to man the merch booth? But I will say the percentage is a lot better than them selling their music you know so 10 bucks yeah. off a 40 dollar shirt is still 10 bucks and they shirts are flying left and right i mean i went to a show well, i went to kendrick kendrick lamar over in uh, amsterdam when i went to amsterdam and uh ton i mean like this the counter was just people people you know dozens of people deep and it was really that was a great show in the first place like amsterdam seeing a show in a, in a foreign country is so it's kind of it's cool and it's weird at the same time because you're used to seeing certain rules that happen in you know over in the states and you go over there and and the crowds look different and they act different and it's just it was it was really exciting it was really cool you know and and uh um one thing that i'll, I'll just just get on the sidebar on this you you go to a hip-hop show in in the states there's a certain element of uh there's just a, an, an aggressiveness about it. There's this. There's just a. It's just an aggressiveness, you know, culturally good or bad, whatever. It's just you just notice that. Well, going over to uh, to the hip hop, going over to see Kendrick over in, in Amsterdam, you you didn't get that vibe. It was way more of a party vibe, way more of a of a uh, just a party vibe, like a giant giant party, and you have people down in the floor in general mission, and they're all just just having a great time they're bopping just a lot of energy so that was just really interesting just to see um how concerts are different all over all over this world but um yeah but it's it's good to see i, I really want to encourage people to go out there and see more live shows and just support these artists because they're out there they're working and, and i'll tell you another thing what's really interesting is we went and saw the killers over at uh over in amsterdam also and they didn't play their biggest hit Wow. <laughs> Which is, everybody knows what the biggest hit for the Killers is, Mr. Brightside? Yeah. They didn't play that song. And it was really interesting because everybody was waiting for that song. They were waiting for that song. They were waiting for that. He talked about that song. They are waiting for it. And he never played it. They never played that song. And people were pissed. Yeah, I would have been too. <laughs> walking. They were. That's really And rude. I was like, and, and, you know, there's two sides to that coin, right? There's no. like. No, there's no, not. I don't well, think so. That's really no, no, rude. Yeah. No, that's no. what got them there. That's why they well, have a huge audience, yes, and that's a real snub. But that's exactly. But what I'm saying is, from an artist, you know, if an artist, you know, wants to leave that, you always hear this. You know, they want to leave that behind, or they want to do other things, or they want to have other songs. Yeah, that's called a forgotten artist. Pretty soon, if you do that to your audience. <laughs> yes, it's so true. It was so true. It, it literally ticked people. I was, okay. I was upset. I was like, that's the, that's like. Some people, that was probably the only song they know of them. And and uh, it was a great show. The whole show was good. Even if they just did it as their last encore, they would have left with people just going on such a high yeah. note. Are you but sure you then, didn't leave too soon? No. <laughs> positive. Positive. Stayed 
okay, here comes the encore. Here comes the second on. You know, all this stuff. And then you know, as soon as you see the lights on and the text take the stage, it's pretty much. They're it. probably doing it right now. <laughs> they, were, they just waited. Does Stevie ever not play Superstition at a concert? No. No, it's that simple. He always plays, and that. there's about 25 songs right. like that that he never does not play. Even when he was touring on the Songs in the Key of Life album, right at the end of the show, he would do like a quick medley of a whole bunch of mega hits that weren't on Songs in the Key of Life because yeah. the audience just loves that stuff, and he knows how to keep the audience. Happy. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that was a huge mistake, you know, because of that all that goodwill that they had, and then they leave without doing their their main song. Yeah. It just kind of. Yeah, how many of those people you think are going to go see him again if that's the song? They I have? don't know. And then I went and I looked at the set list. A couple other, um, you know, you can look up set lists on uh, I think Last FM or something like that. They give of different shows, and they played it, you know, in a different different country but the other countries they didn't play the song so it's just really weird why would you maybe not was it not a hit it, there well, yeah it was absolutely a hit was it banned maybe yeah i wonder if there's yeah. some other it's amsterdam reason. not much is banned. <laughs> 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 let me tell you no <laughs> i was hanging out in that coffee shop <laughs> let me and, just, uh, you know what no we can't listen to mr brightside in here i'm sorry that's not a lot here's a way to have a great uh, the, my have formula for a great trip to amsterdam is <laughs> coming back with a smile on my face and a couple regrets <laughs> and you're like okay i had a good time but yeah it's amsterdam so um um, but I will say, seeing all these live shows, and do you guys go to many live shows? With you? I don't know. I just want to open up. I know. I do not. Rob doesn't. What about you, Nick? Oh, I used to. What back, about, back in the day. I used to. I don't do it anymore. Yeah. You should. But, but I have to say, I, I'm working on a new book, and it's a book on music advice. And it's basically culled from my podcast, because I always ask the question, what is the best piece of business advice anybody ever gave you and one answer that keeps on coming up pertains to this where there are engineers there are mastering guys that say you know the biggest thing for me is to go out and see shows uh gee uh, uh studio managers same thing over and over if i stop going out to see shows i stop working hmm. So this keeps on coming up. And these are people that have had some level of success. Uh, I'll tell you, seeing a band live, is, it's such a – not only are they different live than they are in the studio. Uh, that's pretty obvious. But even venues, they're different. Like for instance, um, the band that I just saw this past Monday, Wolf Alice, um, it was introduced to me by a really good friend. And I listened to them and their studio album sounds relatively light they're alt band with a little bit of a vintage sound um a lot of reverb they use a lot of reverb on the vocals um then i went and saw them in cal jam and they were hard and they were heavy and they were tight and it was really great but you're outside in a festival setting so obviously they're just going to play you know festival sets are a little different than you know intimate indoor sets because you usually leave out any of the slow songs any of the ballads and all that kind of stuff you just go out there and you rock then i saw them over at the mayan and they played a full show, and it had dynamics. It had peaks and valleys. They played some mellow stuff. They played some hard stuff, and they were really rocking. But it was really interesting. They just, it just obviously, since you're inside, it just sounded different. So you really get to experience an artist a lot of different ways by seeing them in a lot of different venues. And um, and I just, I just want to encourage people to go see more live shows because yeah. it's, it's, it's. I, obviously, you're supporting the band, but it's just. 
it's just you experience music in a whole different way. And sound systems have gotten really good. They don't sound nearly as bad as they used to. I, you know, you have really – DSP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so true. Like um, – over in Washington, D.C., there's a famous club called the 930 Club and uh, went and saw Spoon over at the 930 Club and that sound system sounded phenomenal. It was tight. You know, back in the day, right, your bass would get away. The bass would sound so flabby. It's just this, yeah. oh, you know. But man, when it's like it's like they know how to do it. They know how to control that, you know. And, and um, it's really, I don't know, I'm just a really big live music fan right now. I think it's wonderful. You know, they say that life gets in the way, and life gets in the way. Oh, you know? I know. I mean, I went to more concerts than ever. I've got two little kids. When I know. You know, I should be home helping my daughter with her math test for tomorrow <laughs> instead of recording today. But the the thing that's really sad, and just to bring this down just for a moment, um, is so I'm very impressed about the fact that you continue staying up with with current music. Right? I think that's wonderful. I don't do it. And so the result of that, sadly, is that most of my artists are dead or retired. It's not fu- – I mean it's not funny. It's, no, it's I'm really, not. But that's like that's, – that's so horrible. It's, so, so, it's so horrible. Keith Emerson and Craig Lake and Chris Squire uh. and Rush retired and all of the progressive rock bands that you know were my bread and butter growing up. They don't – none of them are playing anymore. And so when I go out and see music, it's either classical or jazz in which the personalities, you know, that the – the the talent isn't what's important to me. It's the music that's important. Right. Although there's nothing wrong with going to see classical or jazz. No, 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 no. no. Of course. I mean, live live music is live music. I just feel sad. I just I just miss my my I just miss my people. I miss my generation. <laughs> oh. You know. Well, I mean, Sorry. You, you can't you <laughs> can't fight time. But there's yeah. some really great acts that are coming up, and there's some really. I've been in some shows that were so. Okay, LCD sound system over at the Hollywood Palladium. It was probably one of the most emotional shows mm. I've ever been to. It was – and if you know their music, it sounds like 80s you know, eighties new wave basically. Mm-hmm. But he had such a control and, and actually told people to put their phones away and the people in the audience put their phones away. He said, okay, you, you, know, you have the first couple uh, songs. He let everybody you know, tape and everything and then just – Okay, put your phones away. And, and he really just did it in a really cool way. Like, you know, we're here to have a good time. We're here to live in the moment. Let's just all live in the moment. It was really cool. That's but nice. that was it. Was just such a great, great show. It reminded me of some of the, like you said, some of the concerts and days gone by where you can really connect. And I think that's the thing that is when you connect with the artist, when you can kind of connect and and you feel like they're not just sitting up there playing that they're actually performing for you. It's it's really it's really kind of cool. And that can happen on small stages. It can also happen in big stages like with Coldplay when they played at the at the Rose Bowl and stuff. It just it doesn't matter what the venue is. It's how the the yeah. artist connects. And you know who is a really good master at doing that and and you would see really great shows and really it would never be a bad show, but it wouldn't be as connected show as um Rob can attest to it was with Stevie. You know, some Stevie shows were just so on the money and he was just connecting with the audience and you just you just felt like I felt honored just to be a part of just sitting there as it was happening. And then there were some shows where he was playing, he was really good, but that just wasn't that connection, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't you say that? Well part of the problem too is he would set the standard so high. So if you saw an incredible show, I mean, his average show was still pretty good. Yeah, no, it was never. There was never, was a, never bad, really a bad, one. bad show. But man, when they were 
like when they connected, when the audience, when Stevie was right there, it was just really great. And yeah, I think, and then he'd go for four and a half hours without a break. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he was really feeling it, and the audience was really feeling it, it became like an all night wow. thing, and he would not even take a break. He would sing nonstop without rest for three hours, four hours. I think four and a half is the longest yeah. I ever lived through. <laughs> and and I just want to I just want to let you know, Nick. And, and I know life gets in the way, and yeah. and my kids are older now, so I can do this kind of stuff. But. Um, but there are you can still make those connections, and there are bands out there, and you just have to start. You just start looking, and you just start seeing. And you know, some of the tickets aren't that expensive, like twenty three yeah. bucks to get into to get into a show, and and it's just interesting. I haven't yet. I want to, but I haven't yet bonsai a show where I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna just go for it. You know, would whoever's playing over at this place, I'm mm-hmm. just gonna go see. Just go it. see them. You know, I I'm thinking so. Dead and Company is coming to Dodger Stadium this uh, summer, and I'm, I, I haven't had the heart to hang out and listen to that music since Jerry died, which was 20 years ago. So I think I'm going to take my kids you should. so that they can at least see Phil and Bobby and uh, – actually, not, not Phil, but Bobby and yeah. Mickey and, uh, you know, and, the, and the rest of the band. Because even though they'll never be able to see the real Grateful Dead – at least they'll be able to see part of the Grateful Dead, and I can try to you know sort of explain to them why it was that they were so special and so important. And I'll see you there. Are you going to go? No. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for taking the thing. <laughs> uh, hey, let me just tell you, I, I took uh, I took my daughter to a concert, and that was the best thing. You know, she's yeah. she's older, but it was great. It was great. We just had a really good time, and just kind of like you know. For her to, she was asking me questions, and yeah. afterwards, like you know, I can't believe you used to work in that world. And I'm like, yeah, I used to work in that world. Yeah, and you know, it, it was a great world. It was. Jordan, how about you? You you see many live shows? Do you see any shows? I saw a lot growing up. You know, I was a teenager and in my early twenties, hardcore metal particularly so like tiny venues horrible sound like hence just- the hearing damage or was that <laughs> <right? related>? <laughs> <laughs> well let me bring it down even further than Nick it's a disease oh boy oh. <laughs> I just, I just I, that, it is true but that, I'm not going to go down that route but mm. no it, you would think it was from that but I actually always had hearing protection most of the time okay, except well, during that's the, some of the solos I had to just you got to protect snap. what you got I know but you would think it came from that but yeah I went to a lot growing up but then you know as you're saying life gets in the way you become an adult Got to pay the bills, right? And you, you all have families. I don't even have kids. But the past few years, I haven't been going to that many. And it made me sad. So I finally, for the first time in probably two years, went to someone I wanted to see. And it was Kimbra. Mm. She was the guest artist on um, that Gaye song that yeah. they oh, played yeah. to death. Sure. Yeah. I From love New her. Yeah, yeah, she is so talented. And we saw, I can't remember the venue, but it was in L.A., mid-sized venue. And it was just so fulfilling. Just even the opening acts were all very different. Yeah. Bought some merchandise, huge line, you know, as you're saying. And it's, it's really fulfilling just to get back out there and to feel the vibe of the, of the audience. It's really important, I think. You know, it's getting to the point where you can go see a concert for about the same price as you can go to a movie. <laughs> mm, yeah. You know, you go to a movie, an IMAX 3D movie, it's going to cost you like $22, $23, $24. You can get into some of these venues for. 20 bucks, 23 bucks, 25 bucks. So it's, um, I don't know. I just want to encourage people just go see, you know, go see some, some live music because it's, uh, it's great. It's, you know, I'm sure there's great shows and bad shows, but, uh, I just really, 
I really want to support music and I really want to just really support people playing live because I think it's important. You know, I think it really is. It puts a humanity to music and there's a lot of music where you don't connect like you were talking about, Nick. You know, but when you actually can see the performer live and and when they're saying lyrics and you're just like, oh, okay, I, I get it. Oh, I understand that now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's really cool. All right. We're going to move on. Um, we're talking about uh, live shows. The other, I wanted to talk about um, something um, really quick that it's totally sort of music related, but I, I just have to speak out against this because this is this depresses me. And that's um, <laughs> trolling on the internet. Okay. <laughs> I, had, I had a friend who uh, who's working on a project. And he posted a few things, and he got some gnarly trolls on on his uh, on his posts. And I'm just like, what's up with that? I just like, why do people? And and I specifically, I wanted to talk to you, Bobby, because I'm you know you're so plugged in with social media. Like, is there literally like, are they feeding their ego? I mean, why do people? What's up with trolling? What's up with taking someone down? You know. Well, I get trolled a lot, and uh, especially when I write a Forbes article. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, that, that was your that, wor- is- that was your worst ever, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll, I'll be taken to task by a lot of people, but I, the way I deal with it is, I ignore it. I, yeah. you know, I don't even read it. I, or if if it begins to look negative, next, next. Mm-hmm. If I do respond, I respond once and one time only, and then I don't read anything after that. And it keeps me sane, I have to say, because otherwise it, I, I would be upset. But that's how I deal with it. I, I, well, that's how I don't deal with it. But you know what? That's, I, I am so glad you said that because the fact that it does make you upset because, I don't know, sometimes people th- write stuff and I don't think they think about, you know, a, how bad they look, but B, that there's actually someone on the other side, that words can hurt and stuff. I'll give you a great example. You know, um, Brett Johns, who uh, he was like on podcast number three. He changed careers midlife. Um, he's a great sound designer. He was the lead sound designer for Marvel Universe before he got screwed when they totally closed that thing without telling anybody. Um, really talented. Uh, he's doing this um, sound library, Elephants in the Room where he's going over to Thailand and he's re- going to record elephants and spend two weeks recording elephants. Mm. And, you know, I don't, if you guys don't know it, as a sound designer, elephants are a really great place for monsters. They make so many different tones and it's so – the frequencies are down in the lower register. And they do all these really great, you know, sounds that don't even sound like elephants. Anyhow, to make a long story short, he's going out there to do it. He posted up on this sound designer forum and uh, said, yeah, as a matter of fact, so-and-so used um, elephants as a basis for um, – Jurassic Park dinosaurs, right? And elephants are a com- primary component of the TIE fighter flyby. Exactly. <laughs> so anyhow, so some guy, some guy trolls him and says, uh-uh, it was an elephant seal because I have the same synclavier as they did and blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> and then Brett said, you know what? I'm not even going to get involved with this. I'm not going to do anything. And so some other guy um, posts a link to an article where the guy who did this who was the sound designer for that said no I used elephant you know talked about how he used elephant for the basis of, of a lot of those dinosaurs and the guy still wouldn't give it up he was still and so this guy and the guy who posted go back in this whole flame war and uh, <laughs> Brett sent me a, a photo of it I just I just couldn't believe it I just I couldn't like 
why was this guy doubting this article? Like, I don't understand. What, what, why do people do that kind of stuff? What I've found is usually it's um, people that really don't know that much. It, it, it tends to be – I don't mean to disparage a, an age group when I say this, but it tends to be people that are just out of school that think they know a lot more than they do. And as a result, since they're so since they're so worldly in their own minds, they uh, want everybody to know, and and that's what I found. It's mostly that particular age group. So I, as a result, I don't even try to deal with that age group. I, I've eliminated um, eighteen to twenty four hmm. out of everything I do. Um, it, Facebook advertising, any kind of targeting, I, only because it, it's I, I know what it, it's more trouble than it's worth. Let's wow, like that. yeah. that's interesting because mostly people would want to target those people, the eighteen to twenty-four year olds. Uh, yeah, you think, but they don't have that much money, and they first don't spend of all. it, right? Yeah, they they don't spend it. Yeah, Plus, yeah, you're fighting well, with mean, an awful lot of other Facebook ads and an awful lot of. Other things that are grabbing for their eyeballs. Well, I mean, if we're just talking about advertising, yeah, I mean that's a, a you know whole other thing. But uh, just the fact of the matter is, again, there's this self, uh, well, lack of self awareness. Let's say, or thinking you know more than you do about the world and letting everybody know it. So it, it's worth. It's not. And that's not everybody. I, I don't want to say that that's you know the whole world is like that. But I've found that. My my trolling has gone down since I, I, I've taken that that, that perspective. So. You know, and and the podcast we've been really fortunate that we haven't been trolled that much. I've I've received a couple emails, um, but for you know, but as far as anything trolling on our Facebook page or anything, we've never really had that. Wait, not going to yeah. lie, <laughs> but but some of the negative emails, I'm like. Really? It's like it's on. a whole lot easier to send something digitally to somebody you've never seen before yeah. than to approach them face to face. I assure you that those negative emails that you got, if that guy was sitting in a room with you and talking, the tone of it would be completely different. Yeah. Right? Now, I, I, now I must say, I do approach this differently. If someone purchased something from me and they come back negative. I'm right on with them immediately, and I'm doing my best to assuage yeah. whatever problem that they have. Yeah. So that, that's completely different. But if it's just a troll out of nowhere um, on something, uh, you know, yeah, that's called customer know. service, though. Yeah. You know, so I understand that. Can I, uh, Bobby? Can I ask you yeah. for some advice? Yeah. So I've received, you know, a couple of couple of trolling things on my YouTube channel, and if it's just negative, I don't want to. I don't want to delete it because I feel like if I'm doing so, then somehow you know I'm I'm cheating or something. But then I got a, then I've gotten a couple that I absolutely deleted. For yeah. example, right after Parkland, I did a uh, I did a, a soliloquy about how important it is to me to ban assault weapons and why and how worried I am for my children and so forth and the fact that I have kids and et cetera, et cetera. And nearly immediately, um, somebody responded to the YouTube thing, you know, of course saying you're wrong and this is this, but then saying uh, you're a danger to your children. Oh, boy. So, you know, when you get that kind of thing, I'm just like, delete, that, that you know, terminate with extreme prejudice. Right? Yeah, that's like, that's so crazy because it's like, even if they didn't agree with you, 
what harm – I don't know. You should respect other people's opinions. You know what I'm saying? At the very least, you know? And to be able to put it on such a public forum like like a comment section on YouTube or yeah, something okay. like that, it's just – I don't understand that. I, I had one situation with Forbes a few years ago. I wrote an article about Apple and some of their engineers and um, I named one in particular – and there was a, a horrific troll that came, not to me, but about this engineer. And the engineer reached out to me. It was, it was more, it was an exec in engineering. It reached out to me and said, could you delete that? Because this person has been, you know, has been abusive across many genres here yeah. of, of social media. And uh, Forbes won't let you do that. But I wrote to the editor and asked if they would, and they did. They understood, and, and they did. But that was the only time, and, and again, it wasn't against me so much. It was against somebody I wrote about. And, and it was harsh. I have to say it was harsh and, and unduly harsh. Wow. We, you know, we had a uh, – okay, I'm going to dance around this so that I don't lead anybody to any place. But we had a guest, and it was mentioned on a big website about our guest – and there were people that were trolling comments about the guests that we had um, on that website. And uh, it was – it just blew me away. Yeah. It's like it just blew – like how bad do you have to tick somebody off for one thing for them to find you on, on a random post? But just what kind of person does that? I don't know. It's just – it's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Rob, you ever had any, uh, any uh, trolling uh, incidents? Not really. I mean, uh, no. The story would be way too long. Tom. No, not really. <laughs> not really. But I'm not doing that that kind of uh, social media outreach normally. I mean, I've done it through companies that I've run and other things, but it's a different kind of scenario where you don't get personally trolled like that. Wow. How about you, Jordan? You've been trolled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's you have to learn how to deal with it. You know, it's because like, I, I have a few YouTube videos out there that happen to have a decent amount of views somehow um or i'm just kind of giving home studio tour advice and just like here's how i store my microphones just basic stuff and you know the more views you get the more exposure it gets the more the higher but most of the comments everyone's so nice but you get those occasional ones where <laughs> those are like really you know, this is my years ago my very first studio really krks you call this pro mm. you're just a noob you don't know what you're doing i'm like Okay, but you know, so people just go out there and just be real mean. And at first, I would engage, not like yeah. be mean back, but just be like, "Look, this was my first home studio. I didn't say this is the end all, and it just wasn't worth the energy, you know." But also, you know, you, you said you got a quick response on one of your videos. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bots out there that do searches for titles or tweets or Instagram posts with certain hashtags or yeah. whatever that instantly respond with pre-written comments. So that may not have even been. Oh no no if, no! If it was he that had fast. To, no, he had to have read what I said because he specifically okay. called out my children. So oh, okay. that wasn't a that wasn't a bot. That was somebody being cool. an awful human. You know, being. that's terrible. I mean, my basic rule of thumb is unless somebody's putting their real name on a post, you can pretty much disregard it. Who cares what they say? A, a lot of people just have nothing better to do. It's just like a sniping sport. They sit there and see how mean they can be. Mm. And there've always been mean kids in school and yeah. mean kids everywhere. Yeah. Unless they're putting their name on it. So that they're accountable for what they're saying, you can take it with a grain of salt. Well, I, now that being said, there's a fantastic uh, forum out there. It's called Pho, P-H-O, named after the Vietnamese soup dish, and it's all about um, 
copyright. So there's a lot of attorneys on it, but there's also a lot of tech entrepreneurs that have done really well. And, and I'm talking like uh, Michael Robertson from MP3.com who made a fortune and, you know, there's people like that. There's uh, some people that are lobbyists for the tech industry. So it's, it's a very high-level discussion. And wow, some of those discussions back and forth are, re, are they're, they're flame wars that happen. But everybody knows who it is because their real names are on it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That being said, you kind of understand, you know, the mentality of somebody after a while. And, and there is a moderator. The moderator will get in the middle and say, okay, wait a second, this is going too far. Okay, stop this. But sometimes you go, you, you just have to keep on reading because it's such a big train wreck that keeps on going oh, on and on and on, that, you know? You know what? Guilty as charged. Sometimes I'll read. Yeah. I'll read when they get in flame war. When someone gets in a flame war and they go back and forth, so that's, that's way more entertaining than the actual Yeah, uh, sometimes it is, yeah. But, it's like Jerry Springer audio edition. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah. I, but only, like, for me, I like it when it's when it doesn't get personal. But they're going, they're if they're hitting each other with facts back and forth. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. most entertaining thing because you're just like boom, boom, boom. It's like, oh, this guy just threw a left hook. Okay, this, you know. Yeah, well, these people are really smart. So yeah. in fact, it, it's it's good stuff on yeah. both sides. Here's the here's the thing about debate. Right, debate is wonderful. As long as it, as it is fact based, as yeah. long as it is it is not ad hominem attacks against somebody personally, yeah. right? Because at that point, it's not about it's then it's not about debate. It's about you know hurting someone or diverting attention away from what you know the primary thesis of the argument is by trying to hit somebody below the belt. And yeah. at that point, it doesn't it's it's useless. That's true because I, I don't even mind personal opinion because a lot of stuff you know everybody has an opinion, right? So I don't even mind personal opinion. It's when it starts and. Especially if they're smart, you're like, okay, yeah, I can see how you can come to that opinion. But when you start getting personal, you know, right. <laughs> when you lose the opinion part and you start getting personal, then that's just it's like – It's just not okay. It's, yeah. not, it's not a civilized way to live. It's not. Well, I'm bringing up trolling because uh, we're going to be starting to post way more. So um, We're going to be trolled. <laughs> we're going to be trolled. <laughs> Bring so it on. We're going we're gonna to keep track of all the, the troll stuff that's going to be coming out there, especially with some of the video stuff that's coming out. But it just uh, I just wanted to bring that up, and I, I wanted to open it up to you guys to see about, about trolling and how you dealt with it. And Bobby, I'll tell you what, man. I'm going to be your enforcer. I'm going to go on your, all your posts, and I'm going to make sure that if anybody trolls you, bud, yeah. Oh, good. Do read them because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to change topics. Um, I got asked this question, so I just wanted to open it up. And it's something we've talked about on the podcast, but we haven't talked about it in a long time. And um, I was asked for advice for people pricing themselves because they're doing some freelance mm-hmm. work and they want to price themselves. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to open that up really quick to the, uh, to the group, you know, and find out what they use, you know, and, and generally, um, I just want to let you guys, I'll start it off. Like, like if you're going to do freelance, I found for myself, I make the most money when I go on a per project basis, as opposed to a Mm -hmm. per hourly basis, because you want to get it done and you want to be motivated to get it done quickly and you want to make money getting it done quickly. And it works for both ways because they have a fixed budget. They know what they're going to get and you know what you need to do to collect. Um, but I just wanted to open it up, you know, if you guys have any advice on, on how to price yourself and, and where to start and where to go. Anybody? Well, I will say that it depends on the client because I have plenty of clients who will take a per project price and then expect endless changes that you did not pre-agree to and will end up making you work five times longer than you thought you were going to work, depending on the client. So 
uh, for me, it, it's it's. I basically try to charge enough for a project that I'm not going to want to kill myself by the time it's over. And that's the way I think about it. So if I know that a client is one who's predisposed to asking for changes and more changes and more changes and more changes. I once did a mix uh, where I sat in the chair for 30 straight hours. Holy smokes. Without a break because they needed to have the project done. Excuse me. They needed to have the project done. They had not done all of their pre-production properly, and so I'm ending up fixing a lot of stuff in the mix. I needed to get it done because I had another project, and we had quoted them a project price because it didn't even occur to us that they'd come in so unprepared. So I sat in the chair because I needed to get the thing done for a price that I should have charged them triple. I mean, on a union gig, I'm sure if Scott was here, he could tell us what the overtime would have been. On something like that because he's worked those kinds of gigs. <laughs> yeah, that's super golden time. Yeah, it's plutonium time. But yeah. <laughs> but for us, it was nothing time. It was wow. – we thought we could do it in eight hours and instead it took 30 because our client was so unprepared. Wow. And we had no recourse because we agreed to a project price. So you got to be careful about the project price. Thing. You know what? That's that's a great point because you do have to set parameters and, and you do have to – Manage expectations on both sides. You know, but- yeah. Keep track of number of change changes, like number of times they're allowed to give notes and get a yeah. change. I always used to include that uh, as part of the agreement to starting a project in the first place. You know, if someone was hiring me when I was freelancing to make 250 sound effects for a game, I would say, okay, that's fine. I'll, you know, it's going to be seventy five dollars a sound effect, and you get two revisions on each sound effect. After that. It's a new sound effect, and you know we we start charging again. And the notion, well, and the notion was, you know, if you're hiring me, it's because you like the work that I've done, and you want me to do that for you, and I will. Mm -hmm. And if it's, you know, if it's if there's something else going on, if 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 we haven't gotten our communication clean ahead of time so that I have a good enough idea of what it is that you actually want, then either I'm not doing my job or else, you know, you're a client that doesn't know what you want. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's true because sometimes you get those clients that are just basically searching and they're searching and they don't even know what they want going into it. So they're just basically hiring you to give them an idea of which way to go and then they're just going to take advantage of that. I I will say – I once agreed, and if Scott was here, he'd be laughing about this project too, but I did a project uh, with him once for a giant company, which shall remain nameless, but it was for a logo for a product, like a sound logo, Mm. uh, (laughs) for a product that like many, many, many millions of people were going to use. So it was a very important logo. (coughs) And And it rhymes with oogle. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 it doesn't. No, it does not. No, it does not. It does not. But we did – of this one logo, I'm trying to remember what the final count was. I think it was 175 versions. Wow. 175 versions of this logo. Wow. I was just starting to see stars by the time it was over. And luckily, they're not long. I mean, it was about a six-second thing, and then we did cutdowns later. But we had not agreed to 175 versions. Wow. So it was so far beyond what this – and we had given them a project price. But it went so far beyond the project price that even the client said, look, I, I feel guilty not giving you more money for all this time because it was the client's fault. We were delivering good idea after good idea. They had a huge – this will sound familiar from Disney mm-hmm. – huge pile of people who had to approve everything. I've never heard of that yeah, before. Yeah, I'm sure you haven't. <laughs> I've done enough work for uh, the mouse as well. Um, but 
it was just unbelievable because you'd get through 10 layers of approval and the 11th person didn't like it. It's like, okay, well, we'll do 20 more and then 20 more and then 20 more and then 20 more. It was unbelievable. Tell me you were hourly on that one. (laughs) No, it was project, but it got so ludicrous that they agreed to raise the project budget because they couldn't in good conscience. Yeah. Because they could tell they were killing us. (laughs) We were literally running out of ideas. I mean, we had – Banged on every single thing that could be banged on in the studio. You know, it was it was getting ridiculous. We did end up getting it though, and it it did end up going into a product that millions and millions of people have used. Well, I tell you, that's that's really good that they did make the concession to give you guys more money after it got ridiculous. They had to. It was beyond the point of like common sense. But see, to. I think with you know, here's the thing with project based pricing. Um, at least both sides know. You know, you know they know what they're going to spend. You know what you're going to make, and and it, it, I just find that it always, you know, once you get past all the parameters and the, you know you realize the dangers, it just seems to always work in your favor. And the fact that you're motivated to do it, you know, on time and do it quickly so that you can make well. And if you're a freelancer, you need to be thinking about the next project too. Cause yeah. As I always say, you know, we're all unemployed between projects. And the goal is to keep that unemployment time down as much as possible. Yeah, so, what you don't want to do is you don't want to put a finite number on your hours. Like, I, like you know, you're always going to make you know fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty-five, hundred dollars an hour, and that's just it. Because if you go project and you can bring these things in, that's how you get into the hundred, two hundred. I mean, that's how you start making money once you start rolling those projects through. As long as the client knows the rules about change notes. I had a really pleasant – I mixed this documentary and I'll tell you more at the very end, but um, around Christmas time and uh, it was just great. It was – you know, the client knew what the budgets were. I knew – you know, I, it was – it just worked out really good. I knew how to budget time. I knew how to budget personnel. I knew how to do all that stuff and, and it just worked out really good and everybody walked away, you know, smiling. Even the guys that I hired, you know, because I'll hire them on a – per project also and so that they work around whenever they want to work on it and they'll have plenty of time to do it like you know I'll give them two weeks to do the work now whether they spend all two weeks on it or they spend two days on it or they do it you know two hours a day for the whole time that's on them because they know what they're going to do and and I just think it works it works really well so Anyhow, Bobby, how about you? Have any ideas on any suggestions on pricing yourself when you do work? Well, pretty much what you guys said. It, it's the parameters have to be established up front, and that's what I do. I, you know, I recently didn't do that and had the project that wouldn't die, <laughs> and you know, again, it, it nearly killed me because it was. I turned it in. The mix is perfect. Everybody wants it, and then no. You know, let's wow. go. Let's go back five mixes ago, and uh, going back to old mixes, I can't stand that. Like because your head, for me at least, my headspace has already moved on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And so when they go, I want to go back to that mix. You're like, sometimes I have a hard time just yeah. getting back into that moment because you've basically you've talked me out of that mix, and I've already moved down <laughs> down to yeah, this. Yeah, that's exactly the case. But uh, anyway. It, <laughs> One of those things. But if you establish the parameters up front, it seems to eliminate a lot of that. All right. Well, there you go. There's a, a little bit on pricing yourself. So um, just uh, be – it seems to me the theme is just be aware of the parameters. However you price yourself, just expectations and parameters. And um, don't be a- afraid to police your own projects. Like if somebody's taking advantage of you, no one else is going to stand up. 
I mean, unless you're in a bigger company where there are people whose job it is to protect you, you got to stand up for yourself. Otherwise, people will steamroll over you. Well, and that's you brought up a great point. You know what? There's nothing wrong with charging a fair price for your talent. Also, like of course. I hear people taking, you know, re- doing shows for a ridiculously <laughs> low amount of money, and it's like, dude, you're only hurting yourself. Because in the long run, you're going to be known as the $100 mixer, you know, the $100 a show mixer. That Unless you truly are just starting out and, need, and truly right. need the experience. But plenty of clients will tell you to work with them for cheap because it will be great experience. You shouldn't listen to that. Yeah. But if you know you're just starting out and have no experience and no resume, then sure. I mean we've all done plenty of things for cheap or free. To get established. Yeah, I mean I would almost go free before I would take something that low because at least free, you have – free gives you freedom. Mm-hmm. All right? When you do something for free, you have a tremendous amount of freedom. The second they put a dollar figure on there, yeah. you're, you're tied to that dollar figure. Mm-hmm. So if you're just starting off and you're living at home or whatever, then do it for free because if you screw up – you did it for free. You know, I'm not saying that you're going to screw up, but it just it's you know you just have to weave your way in and out of those those situations. I want to um, jump in and just add one more thing, which is um, you don't always get the opportunity to set your own rate. You know, I mean, it's when true. I when I am going out for freelancers for a project. Um, I'm telling them what the budget is, yeah. and the budget is based on what the budget is, right? Yeah, and, and they can so, take it or leave it. That's, exactly. Well, and, and that and, you know, and that and then you don't have a problem with pricing yourself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I I think sometimes that's the golden thing is when you when you they have a budget and it and meets all your parameters and you want to do it. That the hard part is is when someone asks you to do something and they have no idea how much you know how, what's it going to be to do this blah blah blah. You know how how much you're going to charge to do this blah blah blah. And you're yeah. like, okay, you're starting from scratch. You well, know? you know, the nice thing about being in this industry for a while is, you know, you have friends. The people that I hire yeah. to do freelance gigs for me, I've been friends with them for two, over two decades, right? Yeah. And so it's a, there's so much goodwill that's been built up. And the fact is that both them and I yeah. have an exceedingly good grasp on what the actual workload is going to be. Well, that's true. Right? And the thing is when you hire somebody that's amazing – so, you know, I'm not an advertising guy. When I hire people that are amazing, my notes are very, very few. A, because the work that they do is really great. B, if they make an aesthetic choice that isn't necessarily the same one that I would have made, doesn't matter because their choice is just as good. And so usually there's going to be something contextual that I'm going to comment on, but like a mix you know, that I'm going to get back on some post-production from this guy that I'm hiring – I seriously doubt I'll have more than one or two notes on like a twelve or eighteen minute piece of piece of work. Well, that's great. And, and just to dovetail on that, he make, uh, Nick makes a really good point where you said just a few notes. A red flag to look out for when people are coming to you for work, whether it's audio production or even voiceover, if you don't pass it on to an agent, is that if they are too descriptive, like if they have like a huge amount of like too much detail. Where it's just kind of all over the place, and you kind of—they don't really seem to know what they want because, and they overcompensate for it. That's always a red flag, <laughs> and then and then they usually have very little money, and then they over control, and then they over revise, <laughs> and like that's always the case in voiceover, but also in when I've worked with audio production clients, yeah, is when they're they they are they are in it too much, and then it just it's a horrible endless cycle, and then they always have. It's a super low budget. Sorry. You yeah, know? those are the worst so, clients. Yeah, the people who don't have a lot of money for a project, there's usually a reason. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, it's so funny, Jordan. 
you know, we record my department. We probably record something like five sessions a week of voiceover, right? I mean, we do tons and tons of dialogue. It's Disney. And we will go in and I think it's a matter of hiring the right people. You know, I have the right voice director doing it and they have the right voiceover talent doing it. They go into the room and they crunch it out. There isn't any, you know, any aesthetic decisions are made on the fly in the moment. Yep. And once they decide which take they want, you know, it's amazing watching some of these guys in action. All right, give me the first three words from pull from take C and give me the second three words from take D. And then the Pro Tools operator syncs it up together. It's done. You move on. And that's the way you end up recording 150 lines an hour. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's, it's pro on pro, right? Right. Because if, like, I, I love working with pros, whatever the genre is, whether it's animation, video right. games, or commercial, they'll just say, they'll give it a little bit of direction, you know, and I'll, I'll give them another take, and then they're like, okay, that was good, let's move on. Right. Because they 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 hired me for a reason. Right. Because I'm a working pro, right? So, it's, But if they just over-direct and over-direct because they just want to get their money's worth, the client said on the session with me today, I just want to get my money's worth. <laughs> what does <laughs> that I, mean? You because get I your gave money's them what they wanted too quickly. Yeah. You get your you know? money's worth by my giving you my freshest performance. Yeah, yes. and giving you more time to now take the audio right and then now right. go do as you wish so it's it's funny but that's just a red flag to look out for i wanted to throw no that's actually really good hey and on the last thing i'm going to say on this if you're starting for scratch if you're starting from scratch and somebody asks you how much you're going to do it for and you literally you have no gauge then just think of yourself just first the thing you want to do is you want to think okay how long do you think it's going to take me to do just give a ballpark number so you know then figure out how much you want to make all right and then whatever that number is on the low side double it and then take 50% up front. And that's how you're going to survive because what will end up happening is you take your 50% up front, you're already covered, you can do the job, you get the other amount of money, and then it's bonus. Or, like has happened to me more than once, you take the 50% on top, you deliver it, and you don't get the final payment, you still haven't been yeah. screwed. So there we go. That's the last uh, word on that. All right, gang. Well, we're going to have to have to wrap this up. There are a couple things I just wanted to talk about. Just wanted to leave out there. Um, first of all, um, since you know I brought up trolling and everything, I just you know I think the podcast we're just going to be really positive. We're going to be really positive. I, I'm changing my outlook on stuff. I've even made friends with Pro Tools again, even though I still think they're uh, executives. I still don't know what's going on or anything like that. And <laughs> but I put together another Pro Tools rig. I'm getting along with Pro Tools. But I just think with all the negativity, I just want to be positive. And I really want to encourage people um, as I've been traveling around and just going to different studios, what's really cool is people are out there doing their thing, right? You got people that are out recording. You got people that are out there writing. You got people that are out there performing. You know, and I just want to encourage everybody out there that's listening to the podcast, man. If you are sitting there and you've wanted to do, to work on an album or you wanted to, you know, get a band together, you should do it. You know, whatever your parameters are, time wise, just put a couple hours just to work on your your art. You know, just to work on what you want to do. I really want to encourage people to do that because you know life is short you know you blink and you you get older and you get past and 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 then what are you going to do you never want to be like i should have could have would have you know you you want to do it um and i'm finding that out as i'm working on some of these side projects i'm just having a blast and i'm doing some stuff and i meet people that are out there and have just amazing magical little moments and and i just think you know wherever you are whatever you want to do with your art go and do it I just want to encourage you to do it, you know, and, and set no expectations. It doesn't have to be huge. You don't want to have to, you know, take over the world. Just do it because you you love the stuff and you want to do it. And that's what 
That's what we all do. That's why we're all here. We all love this stuff, you know? Lord knows, this is our last show of our 12th year. And we've been podcasting for 12 years. And the fact that everybody shows up (laughs) just blows me away. But it's because we all have this passion for it. You know, our next show is going to be our – we're going to be starting our 13th year and we're going to have a really fun podcast to celebrate that whole thing. But, gang, this is our – we've been podcasting since uh, 2006. And uh, April 2006 was the first podcast. And 12 years later – Rob's still here. Hasn't <laughs> <laughs> left the chair. Hasn't has left the chair. You know, and we just keep going, and it just really warms my soul. And everybody's still really active, and everybody's doing really cool things, and and it's just that's the one unique thing about our community of of musicians and music and all that. It's just it's timeless. You know, you just have to follow your passion. You have to keep going, and and you just you know you can do anything you want. You know, just do it. You want to sing, sing. You know, you want to play an instrument, play an instrument. You know, it's just the opportunities are out there. So I just want to encourage people. It's been a blast these last 12 years. Looking forward to some really cool stuff that's coming up. And believe me, there's some cool stuff coming up on this podcast. Um, So before we leave, I just really quick, I just want to tap into, you know, what people have been working on lately. Rob, do you have anything you've been working on? Uh, just the stuff I was already talking about. Okay. Uh, sort of splitting my brain half between software development for some specific music software and and this piano performance stuff. Nice. How about you, Jordan? You working on anything you talk about, or yeah. have you done anything? Um, since you know moving to L.A. from Denver just one year ago this week. Wow. Um, <laughs> it took about six or seven months to actually get my control room and everything set up because I didn't have the booth and everything. We were, I was sharing a booth with my girlfriend. She's also a voice talent. But um, I'm kicking my demo production business back up. It was kind of put on hold while I figured out like how to live here and everything. <laughs> so I did. I was doing just voiceover, but now I, I'm, it, I'm getting back into the audio side of things. Yeah. So I do the performance stuff, which I love, but the audio, I'm just nerd. I went to Nam and I just... I left like a I was like a kid in a candy store. That's what everyone described me as on Instagram. I, I'm just like Yee, big grin on all my photos. So um, I'm 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 going deep dive into that and just nerding out on audio again. It's been a while. So Jordan, I just you talking. I can tell that you have a, you have that voice, right? You can tell he's like voiceover talent. You have that little thing that you could just finally. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so great. How about you, Nick? The YouTube Under the Big Tree channel. Again, that's youtube.com slash under the big tree, all one word. Oh, we're going to have to link to that because that's, <laughs> that's cool. How's your modular Seth doing? It's, it's, it's doing great. I'm in the middle of um, building a live performance modular. So something, you know, basically a suitcase size thing that you can take around rather than a studio-based thing. And I want to be able to use it to work with other composers and then to be able to go and start performing live a little bit um lcd sound system had a uh, modular of touring rig it was great i bet it was awesome it was great bobby how about you books podcasts blogs uh just building mixing, the empire yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's bobby osinski's world and what, we're just living what's the, what's the next book coming out hopefully it's going to be this uh this book on music business advice that's that's yeah. great that's that's a really I would read that book. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I just finished uh, podcast two oh seven. Wow! 
beat the wow. audio nowcast. Yeah, yeah, how about yeah. that? Who yeah. never thought it would happen? By a lot. Oh, I knew it happened. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't take five months off. Yeah, five, right. but but I'm taking all of those comments from those 207. Well, it's not quite 207, but uh, all those those um, tidbits of wisdom, putting them in a the book. Did Did any of us make the make the cut? Yes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Nick didn't because – and I'll have to have you on again because sure. uh, I wasn't asking a question when you were on. So you, you didn't actually give me your words of wisdom. What was the, what was the question? When what, – what was the best piece of business advice that you either learned mm. along the way or someone imparted to you? Don't answer because you should yeah. answer on his podcast. <laughs> yes. That's a tease. <laughs> yeah. I will. I will hold that answer until I am back on Mister yeah. Osinski's yeah. podcast. But, but both you guys, I, I, I'm pretty sure I got good answers from both. I do remember guys. you asking the question. I do not remember at all what yeah, I said. Yeah, I don't remember what it was either. To be honest, with you. and it was probably snarky. But I don't remember we'll mine. But I do know it probably had lottery tickets in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what are you working on, Mike? Um, a couple things that uh, actually that I really can't talk about for the podcast, but they're going to be really cool. Um, Spaces it was supposed to launch a little bit ago, but guess what? I re-edited the intro, so that's why it took a little <laughs> bit. I, because we've gone to more studios and we've done some more things, so it works out. Um, I mixed during this five months that we were um, off, I mixed a really great documentary called Burden of Genius um, for Laura Davis Productions on uh, Dr. Starzl, who basically pioneered um, – liver transplants and it was really fascinating and it's already been in a couple of film festivals and it was really fun to just uh do the whole sound supervision and take it all the way through the mix and um it's great you know sometimes like i work i do a lot of tv and I do a lot of commercials and promos but man there's something about mixing like a like a feature documentary like a feature mm. you know it's just five one and it's big and you have sound design and you just get to work with people and you know we did um we did foley for uh for a documentary which a lot of people don't cool. don't do but let me tell you you want to bring life to to a feature film mm. foley just even even the small things you know even like we foleyed some um uh archival footage and some historical footage and it just it popped it just just enough and it's not like it wasn't heavy but it's just the way you know you mix it you mix it just so it kind of pops through and it it just brings life to the whole thing and it keeps it keeps it rolling you know you ever see a documentary and you're like practically bored by you know just the first five minutes because it's it's a slow subject and there's not a lot of action well when you put like Foley in there, it just keeps it alive, and it's just something. It's just an, it's it's so noticeable. So I, I recommend doing that. But anyhow, that's what that's what I did. Um, but I want to thank everybody um, who's listening to this podcast, <laughs> all seven listeners. Um, it's great to be back on the air, and we plan on doing some really fun stuff. So. Um, if you have any comments or questions, no trolls. You can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. And uh, Jordan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been an honor. No, really. it's great to actually see a listener. <laughs> I know. It's awesome. <laughs> We're real. We're real. All right. Well, from myself and all the guys, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. See you, Joanne.
listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. We'll see you next time.